take a little snippet out of the next section we studied regarding uh, peace, and you'll see the second half uh, of verse 6 then and through uh, verse 8. David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah. And for a couple of more verses, it continues on uh, after that, and I wanted to uh, refocus on this short little section here. Unlike the first section, the, the people that are featured here in, in this section of the way Matthew set the genealogy up is to remind us that as great or as miserable as some of these kings were on this list, that Jesus trumps all human efforts for peace. I want to I remind us of what went haywire with the Israelites and their approach to the nations around them. In 1 Samuel uh, 8 and 7 uh, through 9, according to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them, and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. Now this is God communicating with Samuel, and Samuel is distraught because uh, the Israelites have rejected God, and they want to be like the nations around them, and they want to have a king. And God is telling Samuel, go ahead, I understand exactly what's happening, let them have their king. And so uh, from the genealogy here, we see uh, David, uh, who replaced Saul, and then uh, the genealogy continues uh, down uh, to the deportation of Babylon. And so this whole entire section of genealogy here, it, it shows and reminds us that the Israelites rejected God as their true king, and that none of the leaders that were in that place of leadership ultimately were the Messiah that would come and be the Savior. Now this is not to, to talk down on them or any other human person that we may interact with. Some of these were, uh, for seasons or for long periods of their life, uh, very godly uh, leaders, very uh, helpful uh, to the people in helping them prosper financially or uh, economically and certainly spiritually as well. Some of them were absolutely miserable and did horrific things and led the people astray. Uh, I, I think that this is a great time for us to, to challenge that when we think about peace and we think about Solomon, and if you remember, uh, part of that root word of his name is shalom, the Hebrew word for peace, uh, we see that theme here. Uh, we see that every single one of them falls short, and it's a challenge to our heart. There is no earthly leader. There's no councilman or no mayor or no governor or no president or no political party or faction that will completely bring peace upon our earth. We'll be focusing on our memory verses from Isaiah 9 and we'll see the future uh, where Jesus will completely uh, rule. But for now, we have something uh, less than that. Let me challenge you to think for just a moment today. The greatest societies in the history of the world. Now all the history students are going, this is exciting. 
We can have a debate. I'm not going to open up a debate here today on which are indeed the greatest. But as you think and you go through some of your uh, lists of people uh, who were over some of those uh, societies, some of the most noted uh, rulers of perhaps the, the, the Greek or the Romans uh, or some of the other uh, uh, larger factions, even uh, people who were really powerful uh, for evil, unfortunately we've seen that in, in our world uh, as well. How many of them are still around? They, they all still needed Jesus. I, for some reason in studying about this, I thought of Charlemagne. Anybody remember Charlemagne? Can anybody tell me about when he lived? Got a date? Okay, about 800. Look at this. All right, very good. Um, I would bet that a lot of people, if they knew their Bible, thought that Charlemagne might have been the Antichrist. He was able to uh, unite a lot of Europe and bring it together in ways that you might think the Antichrist would do. And I'm not suggesting he, he was. We know that he wasn't. Uh, I'm not even suggesting he's an evil man. But, but he's not well known. A handful of people knew who he was. And this was a man who was used to bring almost all of Europe together. It's going to come and it's going to go. And guess who's sovereign over all of it? God is. As much as we seek peace in these rulers and these authorities and these structures and societies, let's let's not do that before we seek peace with Jesus. The peace that we have with Jesus will last forever. Yes, there will be a perfect government on this earth one day and then in a new heavens and a new earth, and we can look forward to that. But let's not trade the peace that we have with Christ for something in, in a governmental sense or a societal sense that we think can replace that. It won't. The other verse that I, I have here is um, just of the basic of relationship with Jesus. And it's not a platitude. It's not a hallmark card. It's making Jesus king of your life. Look at that. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, there's power in Jesus' resurrection from the dead. There's power in the name of Jesus when we put him on the throne of our life and call him our Lord. We have peace. Peace in the one who came at Christmas. Peace in the one who will continue uh, to work until uh, he returns. Think just a little bit this morning about joy. You see the verses there in in Matthew 1. Uh, They are uh, 12 through uh, 16. I'm going to read a bunch of names. I'm going to get most of them right. (laughs) I I intend to, uh, with God's help. And we'll see some concepts of, of joy in, in unpacking this just for a few moments this morning. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheltiel, and Sheltiel was the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of Eliad, and Eliad the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Matan, and Matan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. When we looked at these verses, one of the themes that came out of them uh, was optimism. 
This is not particularly a wonderful experience. If they had been more faithful, uh, they would have been sustained longer in the land due to their obedience and their love for the Lord. But overall, uh, the nation of Israel and then the the sub-nation of Judah had both been carried off. uh, Israel permanently by the Assyrians and uh, Judah carried off into uh, exile, as we find out here in the text, to Babylon. Zerubbabel is one of the key figures in uh, everybody coming back. There were a couple leaders, Ezra and Nehemiah, where we find uh, some of the stories of the, the time in which, uh, in which they came back. And I wanted to share one of those uh, with you as we see that joy sustains in all circumstances. Uh, this is, again, a really coming back. It's an optimistic time, but it's because it's on the tail end of a dark time. They were exiled for 70 years, and so a couple generations have gone by, and now they're moving back. And we want to be able to see how God moves forward uh, despite circumstances. In Ezra 3, uh, we see Jeshua, son of Josadak, with his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, right as it is here in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew, Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, with his kinsmen, and they built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. They set the altar in its place, for fear was on them because of the peoples of the lands, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord burnt offerings, morning and evening. And so we see here today that they were not coming back into a land that was completely excited, that they were all back and ready to rebuild everything. No, they still had uh, fear. There were some people in the lands that began to oppose them. But here is their faith, and here is their optimism, that in the middle of people who are opposing them, they're going to focus on God. They're going to focus on obedience. They're going to focus and put a priority on worship and what it takes to worship God and to be together. Let that sink in. How many times in our difficult seasons and when we're unsure of the world around us, we stay away and we distance ourselves from God and the public worship of God? In, in their culture, they're coming back into a land where they hadn't been predominant in a couple of generations. They're trying to reestablish themselves. The people in the land aren't happy about it. And what happens? They have a sense that says, we know that God has brought us back here and we are going to commit ourselves to worshiping Him. They begin to focus on the temple Joy doesn't force us to minimize tough things. If joy was a fleeting little emotion where we just said, oh, just be joyful. Well, we, we could make that last a couple days and probably eat enough to make, make ourselves feel happy. Oh, we have some joy. Well, then what? Can't keep on feasting like that. That's not going to end well. That's not a lifestyle. You don't want that going on. There's something different about joy that we see in these names. There's an optimism. It allows us to acknowledge that there's tough things. Face up to them. Commit them to the Lord. I'm a guy who's pretty optimistic, I think, in my personality. 
I really thought Ohio State was going to win. <laughs> I was optimistic. Yeah, I guess it didn't happen. Well, I'm not going to ruin my whole day over it, or my week, or anything like that. I didn't stay up for the end of the game, and so I'll go, okay, I guess that's the way it goes. Now, uh, some of you maybe not relate to sports. You don't, don't think about things that way. Um, maybe you can think of some situation in your life where, hey, should I be optimistic about this, or do I just see all the potential things that might not happen? Just poke holes and, and, and become pessimistic about everything. Maybe for some of you, the announcement about a congregational meeting to start the calendar year off about church finance, maybe that just sounds ominous. Oh, we're going to talk about finance on the first Sunday. We're calling a meeting. Oh, boy, this is going to be miserable. Well, I promise you, I'm not laying awake this week worrying about it. I'm not going to lay awake at all. I'm excited to meet with our elders tomorrow night and talk about priority and see where God's moving. I'm looking forward to sharing some testimony of how God's been working in my life even since I got back from my trip in November. I'm excited. doesn't mean there aren't some things we have to face. I don't know some things we have to work through, but I think that's joy. Yeah, there's things that, that happen, and, and we work through them. I love Zerubbabel's character, not only in the genealogy of Jesus, but as, a, as an inspiration to us. A reminder that Abraham, down to the kings, the kings, down to the deportation, and now the deportation... So many of these names, if you remember, nobody knows what they're about. Nobody knows who they are. It's an encouragement. Even if we're working or laboring in obscurity, we can have joy no matter the circumstances because God is the one who keeps the story going. He keeps things moving for us. Joy in all circumstances. Our thoughts from the genealogy, uh, you'll see on here, Matthew 1 and verse 17. Just last Sunday we uh, did this, so this one should be freshest in our minds. So, all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. This is a generational love of God. Generation upon generation. Three groups of 14 generations of tracing all the way back to Abraham. The genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, and then down through those three groups. For God to stay with these people, to stay with us, through all of our bumblings and our failures, it is a generational love. The word that came to mind in putting together an outline is I am mystified at times of how somebody can love so deeply and so richly and so truly despite being offended over and over and over and over again. This is the love of our God. It is the glory of our Lord Jesus to love in a way that is perfect. May a specific result of Advent 2019 be that we have considered the long-standing generational love of God as it went forth throughout the generations 
through all of the people, the ups and downs of obedience and difficulty and high season and low season and through all of it, none of the people here were the miracle. None of them were the Savior. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. If Satan comes after one thing in believers... Often it is, God doesn't really love you. I won't make you raise your hand if you've heard that voice in your ear. But I would bet if we sat down for coffee and some cookies, we could have a good conversation and we could say, sometimes Satan is such a tactful accuser. Hit us at our weakest points and make us think that we're worthless and that God could never love us. I hope that our study of the genealogy of Matthew would, would speak to us. I want you to think about the credibility of this document. It doesn't seem credible if you're building a case for a powerful and a mighty God. His people look awfully foolish at times. Some of these people on this page uh, made the worship of God into... Um, anything but it devolved into child sacrifice sexual immorality very real and very horrific and difficult seasons we're not just not just saying the good and the bad they, they turned it into terrible things it doesn't lend to, to credibility please don't take this statement the wrong way don't go on the sermon recording and, and snap this out as a soundbite but hear me on this this is a good thing, and it's not a backhanded compliment either. The presence of women in this genealogy does not help its credibility within its culture. It wouldn't have done that. The fact that women are noted here, and some of them amazing heroes of faith, is not something culturally, in a male-dominated culture of biblical understanding, that would have given... God more credibility. The fact that Jesus was surrounded constantly by great women of faith who supported him. It blew the doors off of gender expectations and roles of men and women. Now you may think the, the teachings of the New Testament are archaic. I'm not here to get into a sermon about that today. But know that the things that are said here about women and how we see them portrayed even in Jesus' ministry, it, it elevates their personhood. I hope that lands well. It's an encouraging thing. Let the Spirit encourage us that even though in a human sense, human readers might look at this and might think, this doesn't sound like God could love any of these people. Think about faithfulness. It reminds you of a faithful wife who loves her husband despite his disobedience and all of his flaws. It reminds you maybe of a faithful lawyer who presses for his client's release. He knows his client is innocent and in the face of great odds, the lawyer is faithful and continues to press on and sees through till the final court battle is won. You can think of maybe stories along those lines. But all these are human illustrations. Both those and other illustrations of human love, they, they fail and they fall short. 
God's love is bigger than all of that. It's bigger than any remarkable human achievement of love. And so, as we, as we depart the season of Advent 2019, it is my hope that, that your view of God's love is continuing to press if you have boundaries, that maybe it's, it's blurring past those boundaries and into new territories for you. That you understand in the depths of your heart that God loves you and He loved you enough to send His Son from the glory of heaven to be the miracle person on this list, to be born and to come as a human. May that really speak to us. It's what's necessary to save us from our sins. We don't do it by enough good works. When we get there, hey, I was better than so-and-so. God, you should let me in. Doesn't work that way. He's going to ask, did you trust Jesus? Jesus is the miracle. That's how God's love is shown to us through Christ. May... May Advent also challenge our love for one another. This is a great tie into communion this morning. If we reflect on this kind of love that is at times so difficult for us to get our mind around of who God is and, and the glory of Jesus, um, why sometimes do we quickly give up on others or talk them down? Listen, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to us. I know that I can be guilty of getting really negative really quickly and instead I need to be more optimistic. I need to be challenged in my heart that God has loved me through all the repeated times that I have let Him down and failed Him. Will God challenge us today? I want to share a verse with you here uh, back in the uh, later on in the New Testament. In 1 Peter 4 and verse 8, it says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Sin is not a pretty thing. It's not an easy concept. It took the the death of Jesus. It took Jesus being born as a miracle baby to leave the comfort of heaven and come to this earth to show the miracles, to teach enthusiastic crowds, but yet to be rejected and killed and suffer for us. We will remember that love today. Sin is not a pretty thing. And I hope as we think about communion and the the time that we'll have to take the elements together as part of Christ's body, uh, this is how we'll express it today as a part of this local church. Are we increasing in our love for each other? Are we increasing in, in, in our ability to have the kind of love that God has for us? I think that's a realistic challenge, a strong connection for us today 